Zen friends. Welcome to Crazy Zen Life. I'm your host, Brittany Swan. And I'm your host, Shannon Kessler. Join us as we navigate life on and off our yoga mats. This is a podcast about mom life, boss life, and body life. Real conversations about self-discovery and the journey of becoming more mindful in this crazy Zen life. We just had a discussion about what we could do as a kid that we wish we could try again as an adult. Yeah. What was yours? Mine was the pogo ball. Do you remember this? It was like the kickball, but it had like a ring in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. So it was like round on the top, round on the bottle, and you had the little platform for your feet, and you could bounce. I mean, I was that thing was my jam. I could jump rope on the pogo ball. I mean, like while singing Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. (laughs) Eye of the Tiger. I, know. I don't know. I could totally see you this in your apartment <laughs> complex. Like, totally. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Mine was the Skip It. I loved Skip It. And I did have an old-fashioned pogo stick because we were super discount. We'd have a pogo ball. We had a pogo oh. stick. And it was, like, ratchet, and it was rusty, so... How many times did you jack your vagina up with that? <laughs> I'm surprised I had still was able to have children. Well, thank you, pogo stick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved it. I, I think I could attribute that to my balance because I was pretty badass at it. Yeah. And that skip it. Oh, I can still remember the theme song. Can you? No. Skip it. <laughs> skip. <laughs> Picture 1990s really lame ass commercial. Oh, yeah. Everyone in hyper color t shirts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you remember um, the commercial for My Buddy? Oh, My, my Buddy. My Buddy. <laughs> Wherever I go, he goes, My Buddy. <laughs> and then there was his sister. Kid sister. <laughs> Oh my god, it was so. Those were so bad. Oh, but they were the best. They were the best. Yeah. Did you even have a, then? I didn't even want a kid sister. I was like, that shit's creepy. Oh no, I love. I was all about it. Like the talking cricket doll. Did you have cricket? No. That might have been before your time. And Teddy Ruxpin. Oh, Teddy Ruxpin. Yes. Yeah. I didn't have a Teddy Ruxpin, but oh. unless mom, if you're listening, did I? I? I don't remember. I don't think I did. I definitely did. I loved all that shit. Like if it could talk and like it looks like it could but come to life, it was my best. How one. creepy. Have you ever seen a real-life Teddy Ruxpin now? It is, like, the creepiest thing. I agree. They were super creepy back then, too. And yet, for some reason, I was like, no, it's my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, like, one step away from, like, Child's Play. Remember Creepy Chucky? Oh, It's, like, one step. We're all all just a creepy Mm -hmm. eyebrow and a weird hairdo away from that. That's so true. Nice try, Teddy. Right. Keep it moving. Why we thought about this was we were checking yeah. out today's <laughs> guest. She has an about me page on her website. And let me just Stephanie Lee. <laughs> Stephanie Lee is um, she is the founder and creative director for Slay Creative, which is a branding company, and she's going to dive more into that. But this is like probably one of my favorite about pages I've ever come across. It reads. Stephanie won a coloring contest in the fourth grade. Also in the district spelling bee. Branding is her jam, and she doesn't like coffee. <laughs> Seriously, she's a sucker for a classic pair of kicks and is currently trying to woo the world with her words. You can check her out on her own personal blog. I mean, if, if that... You could, if you're bringing, like, co- a coloring contest in the fourth grade... And a spelling bee? You mean district champ! Keep... I mean, y'all better step off. Like Step off. No. Destined for greatness. She yeah. doesn't need Grammarly... She is her own spell check. Maybe. That's amazing. What I, word do you have trouble spelling? Oh, all of them. Okay, no. And what's okay, the wait, one hold word? on. And the new update on the phone? Can fuck off. Right. Because it used to give me options. So I was like, oh, I'll just rely on the autocorrect uh-huh. or like the spell check. 
fuck you for being like copy, paste, search, whatever. I'm like, I don't want to do any of that shit. I want you to give me the options. Give me the option. Because this is your fault, iPhone. You have given me a place to just be complacent on how I spell things because you will fix it for me. And then all of a sudden you fucking take that shit away. Fuck you. Everybody be mad. I'm heated up. I have misspelled more things. <laughs> I have, even this morning, I was like, I swear I'm more together. <laughs> the, I, I blame, now, mm-hmm. love the new emojis. Oh, but that can't we can't be relying on no. the emojis for life. Like I right. need to say words that make sense together. Like <laughs> I said option instead of opinion. I was like, fuck. Like right. I mean, just all the things. All of it. But then sometimes like I'm reading it and then I'm like, wait, that's not even that's not what I said. And the phone's like, Oh, are you sure? Because that's what you meant. I'm like, no, fuck you, phone. It's not what I meant. Just type what I tell you to type and then be done with it. And it's like, no, I have something better. I'm like, oh no, it's not with something better. No. Now I'm in like a heat off like step battle with my phone <laughs> stop changing love to live mm-hmm. stop changing of to if stop st- i don't know why why you just needs to go away yeah and i'm never trying to write the word duck you Mm-mm. ever Mm-mm. or ducking where's my ducking shoe i don't fucking have a ducking shoe fuck fuck <laughs> like, it's always supposed to be fuck <laughs> I digress. Sunday. But you know, we do have a lovely guest on today. We do. We do. She is fantastic. She's one of my favorite people that I'm servicing. <laughs> she is. Oh, God. I had to wipe Shannon's nose. I'm like, <laughs> like a toddler. With my sleeve. <laughs> with their sleeve. But she has not. She came out of nowhere. <laughs> Just like, I can't, I can't look at it for the next five minutes. But we do have a great guest on Sorry, today. Sorry, Stephanie. <laughs> we do. She's amazing. Um, I wish that she would live back here in Louisville because that's where we first met her. But I digress. And now she lives in Denver where she's very happy. She is. Mm-hmm. And she's doing all the things. And I really want you to listen to her story. It's way more than Slay Creative. She has an amazing blog where she really gets vulnerable and we are cheering on all the vulnerability. But what we really love is how she tells her story with confidence, struggle, and how she's maintaining and not like searching for some hidden meaning. She's like, I'm just living, man. Yeah. I really found it inspiring. I agree. I loved her honesty. I loved her transparency. I mean, she just is showing you that going for all the damn things is hard mm-hmm. and it's not always a you know super amazing success story right off the bat so you're going to hear her struggle and you're going to see like how difficult it is to follow your dream but why it's so important that you choose that path um and then <laughs> she dives then. into some really amazing <laughs> online dating stories that will just stay for it just stay for it because they're worth it it's hilarious. You're going to love it. And we get we get into it. We're like, well, yeah. oh. we want to offer all the advice. Yeah, we did. And although, like, we're so quite removed from that world. Yeah. It was like a I drug oh, like, yeah. I was taking. I was like, tell me more. Right. I mean, the <laughs> post-interview conversations we had with her, we were like, whoa. I mean, there needed to be an floor. after yeah. show. There needed to be <laughs> an after show. So um, enjoy Stephanie. Check out her blog. Don't hesitate. She has some great stories. And yeah, slay creative. Okay, so we are super duper pumped today. We've got an amazing guest that is just someone who I think that you guys are going to absolutely adore. You're going to find all kinds of truth in her message. Um, She is one of the greatest women in the history of women. (laughs) (laughs) I am taking that title and putting it on everything I own. (laughs) Perfect. I know. I'm like, wow, that's a... 
That's a nameplate. I know. That's a nameplate. It's great. So um, today we are welcomed, uh, we are welcoming Stephanie from Slay Creative. And welcome, Stephanie. Hi. Thanks, guys. (laughs) So tell us about what you do and what makes you so slay. So slay. (laughs) I love that. Um, I loved it because right after I came up with my business name, which is my first and middle name, my middle name's Lee, spelled L-E-I-G-H. My first name's Stephanie, if we didn't say that yet. Um, Like Christmas, the Christmas decorations all came out with like the slay all day. Uh, And I was just like, this is so perfect. I wish that I were like maximizing this marketing stuff. But now I just feel like I'll be copying like Christmas decorations (laughs) if I like try to like hashtag that or something. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah, so I started my freelance creative business about two and a half years ago. And um, I really like to think of myself as a creative engineer. Uh, I really have worked with so many startups at this point and just so many types of businesses uh, that I love to analyze companies and their processes and offer solutions that are generally focused on design and technology. Um, for me, like my responsibility to a client is to alleviate manual work, um, whether it's on their back end or the the client experience on the front end. So I kind of actually think I'm a little bit more into like the operations. Um, and I just happen to use design as part of my solutions. Oh, I love that you take such a creative approach to finding solutions for a company like that. So going through design and going through um, how you can use such a creative outlet to help just enhance what a company already has. I think that's really smart. Well, so is that something that you've always been into or is that something that you kind of acquired along the way? Well, I was a school teacher for 10 years and a basketball coach. So I think that the whole, you know, dynamic of, of being in that role is constantly trying to find solutions, right? Like how do you teach 150 12th graders to enjoy writing? Um, I, PS, I never found that answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. This is the funny part. So I'm actually still connected to a lot of my students who I love very much. And, um, I have had so many of them reach out to me when I moved into my Airstream and I started blogging and they started like, you know, I started getting this following and they started reading my stuff where they would reach out to me and be like, Miss Kemp, like, wow, you're like really good. Oh, okay. Thanks. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> um, and they're like, I'm going to start writing and they'll send me their pieces. And some of them have published blogs and I'm just like, wow. This is so like, I was sitting here in a classroom pointing at them saying, listen to me. Like, your, your truth is everything. Your words are everything. Like they're most, the most powerful tool that you have. And then I went and I did it and now they get it. The few that are, you know, around. And the fact that I've been able to inspire them through that, through the action has been a really big learning experience for me, um, on so many levels. Um, and it's been really rewarding to like, see that come full circle. So, uh, anyways, total tangent, but, uh, yeah, so I was a school teacher, um, and then I left, and uh, Shannon, I met you via working at Lululemon, uh, 
And that's when I really started to get into marketing, understanding branding, understanding what it means to have a brand voice. Um, I was really fortunate and you guys have had Barrett on. Barrett and I were uh, just the closest of work and personal friends, coworkers. And um, that was a really powerful time of my life to just really kind of start to dig into, you know, who do you want to be as a professional? How do you want to show up in this world? Um, and then at least they really promote that. Oh they my really God. Yes. I, and, and self-growth. I will preach uh, their amazingness until the day I die. Like I truly attribute so much of my professional prowess to their teachings and my personal discoveries. Um, just the work that they have you do in regards to goal setting um, is, is really powerful. So yeah. So at that point, um, and then I managed a yoga studio, which, you know, Betsy's everybody in Louisville is obviously very familiar with that name. And then, um, I got divorced. Um, I was married to an alcoholic and, um, battled a lot of verbal and physical abuse and made the choice to leave that relationship and, um, moved back, uh, back West. I'm from Colorado. I moved to Boise. I was the marketing manager at a publishing house, which ended up going under. And at that point, I was like, who the fuck do I trust? Answer is no one. Answer is me. <laughs> so um, I started my own business. And here I am. I, I told myself um, after that business went under and I, I was like, okay, freaking out. I need another W2 job. And I was like, hey, I was still working for Betsy a little bit at the time. I was like, you can do this. Like, just give yourself a month, see if you can you know, get more clients, see if you can keep going. And lo and behold, the next day I got uh, a real estate agent client, um, worked with her for the month and I kept rolling. I just, all of a sudden here I am two and a half years later and, uh, I definitely don't have anything figured out, but, uh, that was, that was how I got here. It's, I don't, the story, I often look back on it and it doesn't even make sense to me, but here I am. (laughs) Well, you're definitely blazing a trail out west. Um, I think you just recently came off of a speaking engagement that um, I would love to hear more about. Yeah. So I pitched to, my business obviously started then in Boise. So I pitched to Boise Startup Week, this female entrepreneur panel. Um, And by the grace of God, they thought I was cool enough and accepted it. So I put together the panel, uh, single women, divorced women, married women. There were four of us. Uh, I jokingly said some of them had dog, some of them were dog moms and some of, some of them were real child moms, real human moms. Um, just to give this like vast array of like what it means to be a female entrepreneur. Um, and the challenges that we often face that men cannot resonate with and never will. Um, so we just talked about, you know, our different experiences, uh, two of us, me and, um, another one of my friends, uh, we were more in the digital space and then the other two actually own brick and mortars, which obviously, as you can imagine, offers two totally, um, different experiences in being an entrepreneur. So, uh, yeah, we talked about what we thought it means to be powerful in our space, um, I made a lot of jokes about being single and online dating, which everyone really seemed to enjoy. <laughs> Typical me. Uh, <laughs> and then, 
yeah, we offered, you know, we opened it up for questions. Um, what I thought was really cool about the question portion was that people really connected to us as entrepreneurs. Their questions were not focused on us being women. Um, and I made the joke in the panel where I was like, Hey, did anybody go to the male entrepreneur panel? Oh, wait, that's not a thing. You know what I mean? Like they're all male entrepreneur panels. Like nobody, like we are trying to get to a space where like female is no longer an adjective, right? Like we're just existing in this space as entrepreneurs. And I made, I really wanted to hit home that like the way I view this is from a humanist perspective. There are beautiful things that women bring to business, which are, you know, inclusivity and, uh, and empathy, whereas men are more competitive and men are more linear. And the, when we swing in either direction, that's bad business. We can't stay s- centered on one path. Um, it's when we bring within the marriage of those two identities um, that really change and good business starts to happen. And for me, this isn't like a, a and I say this about dating too, this isn't a, Male, this isn't men and women issue. This is a masculine and feminine. Like there are men who are more feminine. There are women who have more masculine qualities. Um, and looking at it from that perspective. Um, and then I say this about dating, like, you know, it's like easy for women to say, Oh my God, I hate men. They're so awful. And men do, do the exact same. Oh, women or whatever they say about us. Um, and like really this, the issue is just honesty. It's being able to show up integrity in your space and be honest about what your intentions are and what, and what you're doing in whatever that space is. I can resonate with that. Yeah. Cause it's not, a, we're not pitting each other against each other. We're not finding all the flaws all the time, just knowing that there's difference. And we talked about this last week with Natalia. It's not, we shouldn't be in this place where it's women against men. Mm-hmm. It's, can we overcome and work together yeah. Um, more? Yeah, it's just finding that place where coexisting means you don't have to place blame or it's like, oh, well, I'm right and you're wrong. Well, no, we just have a difference of opinion. And can we celebrate that our differences are what make our, what can grow a company? Because you you can't have the same viewpoint from every employee or your company wouldn't go anywhere. Right. So I feel like it's, you know, it's beneficial to have both men and women, but you also have to have both women and men who are willing to listen and appreciate what is brought to the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree with that. So I want to touch back. You mentioned that you went to Boise or you're still in Boise and you have this Airstream and Mm -hmm. you kind of went all in. Yeah. What have you discovered by going all in? And And, and what did that mean? Like when you decided to go all in, like tell us exactly what. Okay. So when I was in Boise, I had started my own company. Um, I started hitting the road. I, after my, obviously my divorce, I was in this very deep, like soul searching. Um, that word brought a lot of shame to me. I never wanted to have that attached to my name. Um, you know, that story that I created as a kid was like, I'm not going to be my parents in that capacity. Um, and then it was like this very eye opening, like, okay, here I am. How am I going to own this? And I didn't know how, uh, when, when that first happened, um, I was very much just on this verge and I, and Lululemon really brought me here of realizing I was in a relationship where I was going to be 50 years old and really, really, really unhappy and hurting and broken. And, um, so I hit the road as kind of this, uh, embodiment of this freedom that I now had to like be myself and, and find who I was and, or, um, 
And the more I was on the road, the more being on the road felt like I was home. Being behind the steering wheel of my car was um, this meditative state where I just felt peace. And not that Boise didn't make me feel good. Um, I just was really resonating with this feeling of being on wheels and moving. And I just, I started thinking about Airstreams and I was just obsessed with the brand. Um, I lovingly call myself a brand whore. Um, like <laughs> I'm the girl that would rather buy one $250 pair of jeans than like six pairs for, you know, 50 bucks. So if they're going to make my ass look great and they're never going to stretch out and they're going to last me forever, like I would rather go that route. So I, uh, kind of toyed around with this and then I was like, okay, I don't know if this is like what you want to do, Stephanie. I don't think anybody, especially from Louisville, like my, you know, amazing community there. Be- during my divorce, my routine, or I'm sorry, during my marriage, my toxic relationship, my routine became like my only form of safety, right? Because everything outside of me was spiraling so out of control in like my, my viewpoint that the only way for me to feel safe was to engage in my routine and to stay completely dedicated to it because that would allow my internal self to at least feel like I had control over something. So I didn't like to take vacations. I wasn't very big. Like if you told me that if I worked out every Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. and then something on Tuesday came up where I couldn't do that, it was almost debilitating for me. Um, so to, to put myself voluntarily in this state of, hey, you don't really know what's going to come your way. I don't think many people who knew me then would be like, oh yeah, Stephanie would, is totally going to live in a travel trailer. Like that is her jam. So I, I knocked this idea around and then I was like, you know what? I want to move. I, I think I just want to move back to the mountains. I think that's what's calling me. I grew up outside of Aspen. So I decided to move to Sun Valley, uh, Idaho, um, which is my very favorite place in the world now. And I hold it so near and dear to my heart. So um, I did. I moved there for six months. Um, and then when my lease was up, I was like, okay, I don't think I want to go back to Boise. Um, I actually have a house there. I, I have it rented out and uh, the guys are amazing. And, you know, I wasn't like, they're still in it. So I was like, I'm not going to go back there. Maybe I should go back to Colorado. A lot of my travels were going towards Colorado. A lot of my friends are here. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get the Airstream and I'm going to figure out where I want to live. I'm not comfortable committing to a place right now. So I bought the Airstream. Uh, I moved into it in June of 2018. Um, I immediately took off to Denver. I lived, (laughs) this is so glamorous, you guys. I lived in my mom's office parking lot for a month because I knew nothing about, I had never towed anything before. I had no idea what I was doing. And then I was terrified once I had this like beautiful, you know, machine that like, I couldn't actually use it. I, I was seriously just paralyzed in my own like, uh, insecurity and lack of confidence in this life. So at a certain point, I remember my brother looking at me and he was like, you're an idiot. Like, why are you, he didn't say that, but he was like, why aren't you taking this thing? Like you have this thing, what are you doing? Like you're living in mom's, you know, parking lot. And I remember just being like, yeah, it's so easy for you to say, like, one, you're good at this stuff. 
to like, you have a girlfriend and here I am like this single woman at the time, 34 years old. And like, oh my God, seriously, what am I doing with my life? Uh, but I'm very thankful for his words because very shortly after that, I was like, you got to go Steph. Like you seriously got to go. So I, uh, took off to visit my dad, uh, in Southern California. I went through Zion national park, which is my, the most amazing place I've ever seen. Um, I stayed with my dad in Newport beach for a while. Uh, went up to Yosemite, went down to uh, Flagstaff, went to Sedona, Um, I went to live in Houston for about three months. I had a client there who had a startup fitness concept uh, that was focused on playing soccer as the form of fitness called Sphere. Uh, I had some clients in Austin, so I would travel over to there every now and again without my Airstream. Uh, And then I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm, it's snowing in Colorado. And like, here I am like in the throes of Texas uh, so I took off to Breckenridge. Um, I lived there for five months. I snowboarded about 120 days last season, which was absolutely wow. amazing. Um, and then I would work late at night. So I would, you know, start working at five or 6 p.m. I'd work till 2 a.m. And then I'd get up the next day and and repeat. So uh, at the end of that, I was like, man, this is really cool. And I am really lonely. <laughs> Uh, spent a lot of nights crying on the floor. Um, and I just realized the big misconception about that life is, you know, that the the glamour of it for me was, uh, really highly juxtaposed to the fact that, um, I was single and I was also a freelancer and there were days when I wouldn't have any human interaction other than via my phone. Um, and I felt really inspired to come back to Denver. I felt really inspired to be in the city, be surrounded by people. Um, and to be honest, possibly go back to working in more of a corporate setting, um, or at least working for one employer who aligned with my values, um, to get out of the rat race of freelancing. Uh, I just don't think I can really reach the height of what I want to do as a professional, um, sitting inside of that space. My mantra has always been never be the smartest person in the room. Well, I made this joke at the panel, but like when I'm sitting in my underwear in my bed at, you know, midnight doing work, I'm the only person in the room by default, the smartest. Uh, (laughs) So I miss that collaboration. You know, I miss working uh, in a state where I'm being sharpened and also getting to sharpen other people. So I'm really kind of in this state of uh, searching of what that is going to eventually look like. And I don't know if we ever get out of that state. I, I think that that's kind of part of the, the life equation is that we, we all keep saying that, you know, I talked to, I was, I work at a restaurant right now just to make some consistent income. And one, you know, I work with, I'm like a hostess. So a lot of the people are, you know, 18, 19, 20. And this one boy said to me last night, he goes, I'm having a midlife crisis. And I looked at him like, I'm sorry, you don't get to say that. (laughs) Um, and I like, (laughs) Like, uh, okay, uh, you're not going to live to be just 35, but fine. Um, and, you know, then I talked to my mom and she's in her 50s, 60s, you know, saying the same thing. So like, we're all just always trying to figure it out. And I think that that's when you come to that, that state of understanding, I think there's like a huge shift in regards to just how you show up in this world of, oh, I'm not trying to figure it, you know, I'm doing my best and I'm not, I'm trying to figure it out, but I'm probably not going to. 
but that's okay. Cause I'm going to figure something out and then that's going to propel me to move on to the next thing that I want to work on. So. Well, that sounds like you've learned a lot about being okay with not having definitive answers anymore. Cause it sounds like in your, and I'll, I'll use this in air quotes, but like your old life, yeah. um, you were heavily dependent on your routine yep. for stability. stability and for satisfaction and, you know, but now you've, you know, you're relying, you're relying on yourself and you're trusting yourself. Um, you know, and are you becoming more comfortable with the unknown or is that still something that you would feel more, I I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the right word to say with this is, but like, you feel like it would, you would feel more like yourself if you had more stability or is this something that you're just, you're just really finding out more about who you are? Well, basically is the ability where do you sit with that? Yeah. So I think the road taught me, or I know the road taught me, the road taught me a lot of things. Uh, the one thing it taught me that I can say to this question is that I'm, I'm not going to have it all figured out, that it's okay when my routine breaks. Um, I am much more comfortable sitting inside the space of um, not having answers, uh, not really knowing what the next step is. Um, I was talking to a friend yesterday and I was just saying, you know, like, I feel like I've been dog paddling for like two months. And when I wake up, my goal is to just get through the day. Like, and that's okay. Uh, And there's been seasons where my goal has been, okay, this month, I'm going to make X amount of money. And I've and I've done that, you know what I mean? And and there's months when I haven't achieved whatever goal it is. Um, So no, I, I, the, the road definitely exposed me to this idea that uh, I'm not going to have it all figured out all the time that I'm going to run out of gas sometimes. Um, that only happened once by the way. That's for real. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm just in a much better place. And I think this is what, you know, when I talk about going back into the more like quote unquote stabilized workforce or corporate America or W2 line of work, whatever, you know, however you want that to sound. Um, these tools that I'm bringing back with me are so much bigger and so much more than I have a college degree. I've worked for this company. Um, like these are things that are like deeply inside of me now. Um, and what I expect to bring in a managerial position to others who I would be overseeing. Um, and that's really, that's really, really important to me. Well, and you do have a gift of being able to help people. Um, you do so through your, you've got a blog and you've had some very insightful posts um, the past couple months that I've loved reading. And I know that, you know, it's been shared several times just in our own friend circle. Um, and just, you do have the ability to inspire people through your story and your words. But a couple, two of the blog posts that stand out for me that I personally just love reading is, I think your most recent one is um, being in a relationship with your integrity. Mm-hmm. And when I read this for the first time, Stephanie, I was like, holy shit. Like, I- I'm not sure I've ever read something so honest and yet so like, I, I mean, I'm cheering for you so loud in Louisville. I'm like, yes, girl, you it. Oh, man. <laughs> I like like it, you painted a picture for us. It's okay not to be okay, but keep pressing forward. Yeah. Um, and 
I was really inspired by it. Yeah. Um, because can, I think we've all been there. Yeah. Will you share a little bit about your experience with that and, yeah. and what, you know, kind of propelled you to write that? Gosh. Not propelled. Come- well, okay. First of all, when I get these compliments, uh, thank you. Like from like the most bottom part of my heart. And, um, I, I don't even know what to do with myself because I have always been a writer at the core of who I am. Um, when I was a kid, I would write poems and I would come down into the living room and recite them and they'd be about lollipops and God bless my parents. They'd be like, that was so good. That was so cute. Um, but I really do feel like I want to own that this is my gift. And I think we all need to get to that place. Um, it doesn't mean we're not, you know, like th- this is me in my most humble state saying, wow, like this is what I, I should be giving to the world. And then there's the other question too, right? Of like, how do I survive with this gift? How do I, and I, I hate to say it like this because I think it has such a negative connotation in our, like, how do I monetize it? Like, what am I going to do to be able to keep sharing this gift with people and also be able to, you know, eat at Whole Foods, which if you know me, you know, that's like the most important thing in my life. <laughs> um, so all I know is that I just need to keep writing. And I'm also trying to align my life with the time freedom to be able to do that because these pieces do not just come out of me in an hour. Like these are days of me writing, editing, writing, editing. Um, so all that to say this specific piece, well, okay. I did not mean to write about dating. I did not. I started blogging because I wanted to write about my adventures in this Airstream, which I thought people would find like quasi interesting. And all of a sudden I found myself in this space of like, you know what? These are the conversations I'm having with my girlfriends. Like I'm putting ink to this shit. Like I am going to put this out there. This is what I'm experiencing dating in 2018 and 19 and this state of, us not being able to be honest with each other, us not being able to commit to one another. We're sitting inside this paradox of choice. We're paralyzed by the fact that we have so many things to choose from. And then we're not using our voices to properly articulate how we even want to show up in this space if we even know what that looks like, even if we know internally who we want to be when we're in there. So I start writing And men start reaching out, telling me how great my stuff is and how much they resonate with it. And I'm like, you know, I I never even started with the intention of saying men were even bad. It was just, you know, I really think that this is a conversation around people who want to find someone and people who don't. And I don't even know if people, the people who don't and do really, again, really even get it or know what they're actually looking for. But um I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to interview men. And so I did the man blog and that was like a huge hit. And then I was like, I'm going to do this series on commitment. And that was a huge hit. And I was like, okay, like people are listening to this because this is so real and raw. And I have this experience of going to different cities, interacting with men in different capacities. Yes. I'm on this online, you know, forum. Um, and like everybody can, these are real stories that like I, everybody can resonate with how I'm feeling and what I'm going through. Um, so in, in a relationship on my most recent piece in a relationship with my integrity, um, you know, I had been talking to this guy for, you know, like four or five months 
And it was this constant pull in and pull out, pull in and pull out. And I realized that in holding space for him, um, because I do think that there is a certain level of, of that that we need to do in order to show someone, hey, trust me, like, I, I care about you. Like, I think that you're cool. Um, I was out of integrity with myself because I wasn't expressing what my needs were. And I was doing all the space holding. And when is somebody going to hold space for me? And what is that line between being too aggressive uh, with some of that and then also respecting oneself? Um, And I do not know the answer to that. That is what I'm constantly searching for. And I think it's different for every person in every relationship. Um, But what I'm noticing in how I show up in relationship is that I want to put a Band-Aid on. I want to use all of the tools that I've learned for myself to help other people. Obviously, I'm dating men, so that's where it's showing up. Um, But then I'm not allowing that to be reciprocated, or I'm not demanding always that that be reciprocated. Um, And I made this parallel between the fact that (laughs) here I am also trying to apply for jobs. And it's basically like online dating, only no one swipes right. Like I'm literally just getting (laughs) denied, 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 denied. Um, And I also was like, okay, self-care, Stephanie, right now is your, your ego is getting really bruised by the fact that like, you can't even get an interview. Like you need to be really careful with how you're showing up in the dating world, because you don't have the emotional capacity right now to take the same amount of hits that you would normally be able to take. And I don't know how else to say it, but like, you're going to take a lot of damn hits when you're dating. It's just, it's really rough out there. So, um, yeah. So it was like, okay, I need to show up with this guy who, yes, I find really interesting and want to know him better, but like he is not showing up with the same intensity and the same, yes. And the same, um, he's been honest with me, but like not in the way that I need him to be. And so it was like, look, I, I need to, you asked for, or I told you, this is the other thing with, with relationships. And I don't want to say men, but obviously again, I'm dealing with men in a heterosexual relationship is, Oh, this isn't what you want right now. Or like, I don't think I can give you what you need. Okay. No, no, no. You don't get to do that. You do not get to tell me what I need and what I want. You need to trust me to be able to articulate that to you. And then it's my responsibility to draw the boundary when you are not arriving in the way that I need you to arrive. So I made it very clear at the beginning that I would do that. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh shit, Stephanie, like you have to you have to do what you said you would do. (laughs) And so it was like, Hey, you know, like you're, this is my boundary. I need to get out of your message rotation. Stop Snapchatting me your breakfast. I don't have an investment in that. Like this, I, I need more. Um, anyways, so yeah. How, what was the, I mean, I'm going to be kind of a girl here. What was the response when you were honest, number one with yourself And then what was his response back? So I go into this a little bit um, in that particular blog, but um, he responded and he was like, I really appreciate your honesty. um, And like, I'm really going to miss you, which 
Ugh. Okay, guys, like seriously, you don't get to do that. Like you're only saying that because now I have told you that you cannot have access to me anymore. Like you don't get to say, oh, I was going to come. Oh, that's the other thing. This entertainment center that was my nemesis that I asked him to come over and help me put together. Well, okay. It had been two weeks and it was still sitting in the box. So I'm like, Stephanie, get out your damn drill. You're putting this thing together yourself, which funny, haha, I ended up breaking it because I shouldn't have been putting it together myself. My, my, <laughs> my brother thankfully came and helped me a couple of days later, but you know, he writes me, I really wanted to put that together with you. No, you did not. You do not get to do that. <laughs> like you don't get to sit here and say like you could, you've had two weeks. Like, how, did you want me to wait till Thanksgiving? Like Jesus, mother of Mary, like, wow. Like, okay. So, um, that's really frustrating. Regardless, he showed up to the conversation. Um, and this is where I got so confused because he actually made a comment like, you know, I wanted to put your, together your entertainment center. So I send a picture of it like, hey, help yourself, buddy. I'm on step four. There's nine steps. And he kind of made a comment like he was going to come over and do it, then tells me he's going to bed. So then I'm just annoyed, like just beyond my wits end. And like, why did you extend that olive branch, Stephanie? And I, I, at that point, cease communication. Well, then he still keeps snapping me, like his trip, his work trip. And I'm just like, why do you no. want me? To, I am not your audience. I am not. He's just <laughs> I'm not your audience. Like, we are not here to entertain each other. And that's what online dating is. Hey, it's an extension of social media. Let me swipe, show you that I like you. Now watch me do my life. Watch my Instagram stories. Like, no, like absolutely not. I'm not here for that. So I had to lay down my boundary again. Like, hey, I don't know why you want me to be a third person, like observer of these things. I literally just told you, like, I want something more. I want to explore something deeper with you. I see something in you that is what I would want for a partner. And you're basically throwing it back in my face. Like you're spitting on me. It doesn't feel good. Um, and he ended up writing back and said, uh, okay, wow. Like I'll refrain. I, I heard, you know, um, of course, like two weeks later. Oh, Hey, how are you? <laughs> you guys, it, I don't even know. It doesn't <laughs> It blows my mind. All that to say, Again, two weeks later. Yes. Yeah. Oh my. So keep it moving. (laughs) I, you guys, I also have this. (laughs) I feel like I need to change my Bumble profile to "I'll probably write about you." It's like this running joke that, like, I'm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I thought that men would be like, "Oh my god, I am not even going to talk to her." No, 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 no. Do not even start to question the fuckboy mind. He wants to be written about. He wants to go on the internet. It is absolutely surreal. He says that he's going to be different. He is not. Um, I do not equate that to this situation whatsoever. Um, I had some like very vulnerable moments with uh, said person from this blog who I wanted to help me with my entertainment center. Um, but yeah, he did slide back in. Yeah, sorry, I guess I don't have self control. Here I am. Like, congratulations, I still have your phone number. It's still saved in my phone. Yes, I, okay, great. Hi, hello. Like, why? I don't understand. You're emotionally unavailable. You do not 
seem to be interested in pursuing this, but you're coming back whenever it's convenient. And that's, I'm not here for that. Like, stop. And I have realized how powerful my voice is and how important it is for me to use it. Because if I don't, then I am contributing to this cycle. I always say that dating is, we're just really all like swimming around in our collective karma of bullshit. Like we keep ghosting people and we keep doing to people what's done to us because it's been done to us. So like, we're just going to keep perpetuating it. And uh, no, like I'm drawing the line at me. Absolutely not. I'm going to show up with honesty. I am going to show up with the ability to use my voice. And hopefully it teaches the men who do get contact with me. Oh, I probably shouldn't treat women like that. Um, And hopefully I, I would hope that men are doing that vice versa. And I always say when one woman stands up for herself, she stands up for all women. I don't want to be the weakest link because we are only as strong as the woman who's sitting in the corner and doesn't want to say anything because she's still allowing that perpetuation of that behavior. Um, and I'm not here for it. So if anything, you know, I hope I empower again, men and women to sit inside a place of honesty and say, look, I am not too much. I need to use my words and I'm going to use my words. I'm loving Yeah, I know. This is so great. And you need to mute that motherfucker because if he can't help you in the entertainment system, he's got to go. <laughs> no, no, no. You need to delete the phone number out of your right. phone. <laughs> I, I love, and this is one thing that I do so, so, so well. I, and Shannon will <laughs> definitely agree with this. I am a very um, reactive person. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you make yeah. me mad or something, I am just being like, Unfollow, mute. Yeah, I don't. I delete all messages from you. I delete, delete, delete. You're dead to me. (laughs) Okay, not saying it's the healthiest. We'll say, (laughs) but I will say it's the most cathartic. Hey, sister, I trust me. I, I. Well, that was the thing. I uh, deleted him from my Snapchat, and then I was like, I felt so like such a badass, like. Look at me deleting you. Like, oh my God. Wow, Stephanie. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, his name is still saved in my phone. <laughs> That's the next uh, Wait, do all these conversations just happen over like a text or are there phone calls and like person to person interaction involved? Well, this person particularly, I had like real, I, God, he's paid, he's been paid so much homage in my blog. I mean, he has like three or four blogs at this point. He's at least made a cameo. Um, I can't wait for him to listen to this. <laughs> he won't. He's he won't. Cameo. <laughs> um, but my, uh, so he and I actually had, and this is the, I mean, I don't know. I could go, you guys, this, this story could be a, its own episode. Um, So he kept, we met on Bumble. He kept sliding back into my DMs like every three to five days because he travels so much for work. And this, it became this running joke that like, oh, are you at the airport again? Are you at the airport again? And it became so entertaining. Um, And I started dropping jokes that like maybe Ellen would send us to like Hawaii if we could keep this up for a year of like communicating every five days. Um, and he was extremely witty. And if you know me, you know that I'm a sucker for like digital uh, banter. Like I, it's like the, just the light of my life. Um, so he showed up. I was very impressed with his like digital personality. So, I mean, you guys, we didn't meet for a month. We did, we did this for literally a month and then we met 
And then he went back on his little trip escapade. We, we met like once a month for like three months. Um, and then he, he lives like down the street and like, can't even come hang out. Like has never once said yes to anything that I've ever suggested doing. Like, Hey, do you want to take my Airstream camping? Do you want to go grab a drink? Do you want to like go do this? real life is he only witty like no he's 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 also amazingly witty in real life as well so that was and we've had very like honest vulnerable conversations like I've been he's kind of see he he was this like kind of counterpart to me like going through all this stuff I was going through like when I got this speaking engagement like I was like he was one of the first people I was like oh my god I did it you know so like we it's like we have this you know span of I mean it's been five, six months that I've known this person. And like, even if you're not really deeply ingrained in that person's life, you're still, there's still like a, an, an audience, a bystander and an acknowledger of what you're doing. So yeah, like I attach him to some of these like memories and how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and what I'm going through. And, um, so Anyways, all that to say that like he became this thread of like this like life experience that I've been having since I got back to Denver and I've been kind of exploring like what I want to do and all of that. Um, anyways, all that to say that a lot of times it happens just via phone. Yeah, like a lot of conversations just die in the, the bumble airwaves um, or they get to text message maybe. Um, but I actually had real life interactions with this person. We did hang out. Uh, so there is that connection to it. The conversations recently, the, the one where I had to put my foot down, like I asked him repeatedly, like, Hey, can, do you want to hang out? Do you want to go get a drink? Do you want to like get together? And like, he couldn't show up. And at one, finally I was like, look, I've been trying, I really wanted to have this conversation with you in person, but like in I can't, I can't keep waiting and I need you to understand, like, I, I need you to take me out of your message role. Like I am, this isn't jiving with me. I'm starting to feel shitty and I'm, I'm in choice around whether or not I'm allowing this to happen. And, and I need to choose me and I need to choose not being in this space of feeling like leftovers to you because I'm not leftovers to anybody, at least people who have yes, an important part of my life. Are, of course you are not a leftover. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was a long version of I did have real life interactions with this person, but you'd be very hard pressed to find most people who get out of the digital space if you're in like an online dating setting. But, and that's why I don't know, like I don't, I've had a lot of conversations lately with my girlfriends where it's like, I don't know that I should be here, like in this space of online dating because the expectations that it puts on it are so high. Um, when you meet organically, it's like, oh, like, oh, we're just, oh, want my phone number? Cool. Like, let's go hang out. Whereas like you swipe on someone, you know that you at least find them quasi attractive. And then it's like, oh, do you want to date? Like we were on a dating app. Uh, is that what we're supposed to do is like immediately be together? Like, is this monogamous? Is it not? Yeah. Like there's just so many, so many things going in the back, into the background of that. Well, and you've talked that. so much about breaking down expectations and living outside of, you know, this false sense of reality that is kind of bestowed upon us at a very young age of, again, just trying to live up to expectations that are others create. And you, you made a great post and this is, I don't know how long ago you wrote it. Um, I feel like it's been a while, but the, 
The post that you made about what skinny never got me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one was, I mean, that hit home for me in in such a a deep way. But I think there's so much just life in that post that there's so much honesty and there's just so much breaking down of expectations. And I think that's just the the best way I I can say it. But I mean... Can you share a little bit about that post and then like what, how you got there? Yeah, of course. (laughs) So I struggled with eating disorders through pretty much all of my twenties. When I lost that title of being a college athlete, it was like, I didn't really know how to define myself and skinny felt like the most plausible, uh, and rewarding word. Um, and again, being in the airstream, I really started to assess, I didn't have a full length mirror. That was also a very interesting thing to not ever be able to see my body in like this full length state. Um, and I started to realize, uh, Stephanie, like you have lived a decade with this obsession with being skinny. You've put yourself through every diet. You've worked yourself out to the bone. And even in your quote unquote skinniest states, you've actually been the most miserable. Those are the times when your life was spiraling out of control on the outside. But what could I control? I can control my food. I can control how my body looked. Um, going back to that whole routine thing, my food and my exercise were a big, I think for all of us are a big part of that routine. Um, and so I said, fuck it. I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to eat whatever I want, whatever my body asks. I started following a lot of people who were practicing this more intuitive way of eating. I started realizing how diet culture capitalizes on basically telling us we look like crap so that we have to buy more workout equipment, more studio passes, different types of food. Um, And I realized like this is capitalism and this is like a multi-billion dollar industry and I'm, I'm perpetuating it. I'm feeding into it. Um, And I immediately, of course, yes, gained weight. Um, But I also started to realize like I was insatiable, like with some of these foods. Like I just, like when I first allowed myself the freedom to say, I had just come off of one of the most rigorous diets I had ever done, like extremely restrictive. Um, And it was insane what my body wanted. And then I would feed it. And I felt like, oh my God, I'm in this state of binging. I'm never going to be able to stop. And then after a few months, I was like, I just have to stay the course. I have to keep going. Um, And after a few months, I started to realize, oh, I don't want dessert every night. Oh, I don't want to eat two bags of popcorn every day. Like my body started to trust me. And wow, like that is powerful. The fact that like my own, like just chemistry and physiology was like, and, and was not trusting my, my brain and my ability to actually like nurture it in the way that it needed to be nurtured or needs to be nurtured. Um, so writing that piece, what skinny never got me, um, which has been one of my most well-received pieces. And it's been amazing to hear other women. I actually feel so blessed. Um, Morgan Tyler shared it on her platform and I had so many women reach out to me, um, thanking me for my honesty and just saying, look, like I wanted to be skinny and it never got me the things that I, that I thought were my goals. It never actually, uh, gave to me, satiated me, provided me, uh, 
what I was really looking for. And that's acceptance, right? We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. My skinniness was never about me. It was about how other people perceived me. Um, and again, why I didn't want to attach the word divorced to my name. Um, all of these things are about how I want the world to see me showing up in it. And going back to your guys' previous question about um, whether or not I learned to be okay with not being okay. And like, that's the answer, right? Like my honesty and my vulnerability is my greatest strength. It's the place where people are going to be touched and moved and inspired um, to keep doing their own thing. Um, and yeah, I definitely am not out of the woods in regards to like how I view my body there. I'm actually been writing a piece as of late uh, called, that I haven't published yet, called on the days when I miss my eating disorder, because by God, these last few months where everything has felt out of control, the number one place for me to go is go on a diet, control your food, get skinny, feel good about that, even though the outside doesn't feel great. And I have to keep telling myself every day, okay, don't skip breakfast, you're hungry, eat, eat, you can have that, it's fine, that food rule is stupid. Um, And that's hard. That's been definitely one of the hardest things that I've uh, I would say I've gone through in my life is really trying to get outside of my head and, um, get to a place, you know, I don't want to be 50 and worrying about, uh, eating too much salad dressing. Like I, that's so stupid to me. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so beautiful to hear you find struggle in, in the honesty of like, this is hard. And again, like you've been programmed that your entire life. So, I mean, you can't expect in, you know, four years to like go ahead and like, you know, re or rescrub or reprogram your entire thinking and your entire thought process to think that, okay, when shit gets hard, what, what, what have I done in the past? Well, yes, shit gets hard. You now have a different kind of set of expectations. And, and, you know, like, again, like when you live in your values and you're living in your integrity, you do have yourself to hold yourself accountable. And you're like, well, you know, I made the choice not to fall down this rabbit hole again. And even when I know that that's comfortable because I know what I'm going to get when I do it, you're, you're showing up and you're being honest and you're saying that's not a viable option. Look someplace else. Let's, let's keep moving and let's find the answer, you know, in a different, in a different platform. So I, you know, I applaud you for that because it's, it's fucking hard as shit. I mean, there are days where it's really easy. And then there are days where you're like, Damn it. <laughs> like, why yeah. is it so hard? Yeah. Well, and like, you don't want to cheat on your healing process. Yeah. Like, from what I've heard this entire time through overcoming so many obstacles and trauma, a lot of that healing, you've learned so much. So, like, you're going to do your healing a disservice. Right. You're like, I'm going to cheat on myself. If I, if I break down now, like, that it will show me I've learned nothing. Right. And I think that is sometimes the hardest thing to sit with right. because it's easy to cheat. Yeah it's easy to take the easy button and just be like, I just want to live in that easy part today. Totally. I, yeah, I can completely resonate with that. Yeah. Healing fucking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. Thank you. (laughs) Tap out. Somebody take my place now. Okay. I am, I relinquish all control and I am now. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, but that's like where, I've been at where it's like, I am by myself. And I hate the fact that like, I I say that I'm lonely. Okay, immediately, I feel a need to justify that. Like, 
I'm, I'm not like lonely, lonely. I'm just lonely. Like, no, just own it. Like you are alone. Therefore you are lonely. It's okay. Like the negative connotation that we attach to that is because society tells us that being lonely and being alone is like this really bad thing. And I'm not here to settle. I'm not here to find somebody who is saying, look, I only can give you this much of my time. I am here to find someone, if I ever do, and I believe that I will, that's going to say, here's all of me. Let me sharpen you. Give me all of you and you sharpen me. Um, that's I want to live in an inter- interdependent relationship of that magnitude. And um, But yeah, like a lot of this is facing a lot of these things by myself and facing these financial burdens by myself. Um, I was telling you guys, you know, my dad, and this is what is in my latest blog, which was, you know, you know, hey, honey, do you really think that you should be, you know, taking these chances when you don't have a partner? And it's just like, what else am I supposed to do? Not take them? Like, no, like I'm owning, like I am a single woman and I can provide for myself and I'm a badass and I'm going to go do the damn thing. And Maybe I never find somebody and maybe this is me doing the damn thing for the rest of my life. But um, yeah, like I, I'm sitting in this space and constantly evaluating what is financial responsibility? What should I be doing? Um, am I demanding too much? And I think for people who do demand a lot, we are often told that we are being too much people who are outspoken and people who have big dreams and the people who are more quiet, they don't really have to answer to that because they're not being very vocal and both are right. And both are wrong. Like that's the other thing I've come to the conclusion. Like Mm -hmm. most of the time in life, we're not choosing between a right and a wrong. And society teaches us that that's the case. We're choosing between two right things and two wrong things. Like they're both going to have positives and negative attributes it's making the choice and then not looking back and owning it. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm just sitting in this space of, you know, making a choice and then owning that I made the choice and doing what I need to do in order for that choice to continue down a path of not self-destruction <laughs> as I combust in flames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So are you still in your Airstream now or have you found something less mobile? Yes. So I hung up my keys back in June. I lived with my mom for a little bit, kind of trying to figure out if Denver was where I wanted to be. Um, And then I decided that I was obsessed with living in downtown Louisville, like just or I'm sorry, Louisville. Wow. That was uh, a subliminal message. (laughs) Freudian slip. Uh, I was obsessed with living in downtown Denver. So I moved above Union Station. I got an apartment and that's in reference, like my dad was making that comment. Like, should you be getting an apartment? Like, should you be doing this? And like, yeah, I'm betting on myself. Like I'm going to manifest that I'm going to write my book. I want to get public speaking engagements. I'm going to get a job that's going to be able to align with my values and allow me to have the income that I need in order to continue down that path to give me the time to do those things that I want to do, what my real passions are. Um, Like it's going to happen. So I love it. I absolutely love living in downtown Denver. Um, Denver has just great energy. It's amazing city, 
filled with entrepreneurs, filled with people who are, you know, in their thirties, just, um, who want to be outside and want to be professionals. Um, and I need both of that. I've realized the question that I kept going back to when I was living on the road was, can we have it all? Um, because I love being in the city and I love being in the mountains. I always joke that like my two fantasies are, you know, walking downtown Denver. I'm carrying a coffee in my dream. I hate coffee for those of you who know me. So it's really just, um, a vision, uh, and then like chopping wood in the middle of a forest where my airstream is like my house. Um, and I used to think I had to choose. And now my answer is I don't have to choose. I need to figure out how to make both possible and what, and what that even means and how it really, really looks. Um, and that's what I'm doing right now. So I, you know, I lived not in the woods per se, but you know, I lived in my Airstream. I still own it. I still have it. Um, and then now I'm doing the downtown thing and I absolutely love this too. I wake up every morning. I look out my sliding glass door and I see the city skyline. Um, I look right at union station and, uh, it's my favorite thing right now. Like I just absolutely love it. So, um, you know, stay tuned who, who knows what the next thing will be, but right now I'm committed to this, my, one of my best friends, she lives in an Airstream too. And she always reminds me, uh, nothing is permanent. Um, and what is one year of your life really in the grand scheme of all of them? If you're exploring something that is really deeply, you know, in your bones of something that you want to do. And I've really carried those things with me that, you know, I can, I can change my mind. Um, and that was hard for me, right? Because like I had attached this identity to myself of like, I live in an Airstream and this is what I'm doing. And I know this is so weird and like maybe superficial for me to say, but like, I was like, oh my God, are people going to still follow me? Are they going to still be interested in me? Are they still going to want to read my writing? Are they still going to be like engaged with my content in some, you know, like weird way? If like all of a sudden I'm living in the city and doing like normal city things. And the answer to that for me is um, the message. My message is never going to change um, about finding your truth, finding your voice, um, staying in integrity with yourself. But the modus operandi that I use to express that is always going to change. And that's a great thing. Um, because what I want people to see when they see me is I I had an, I, a thought of what I wanted and I went for it and I did it. And maybe it was great. And then I kept doing it. And maybe it wasn't that great. Or maybe it was great. And then it ran its course. Or, or maybe it wasn't that great after all. I mean, I've been very candid. Like, hey, I'm crying right now because my day sucks. Um, so. I don't know. I, um, I am exploring and I've come to the f- understand that exploring can mean a multitude of things. It doesn't mean that I'm out in a forest, like foraging through like brush. Um, I can be in the middle of downtown, like trying to figure out how to use the train, which, um, it's been living on the road has given me an insurmountable, insurmountable amount of confidence. Um, I was, I, I, it was something that I needed, like I, I had to have it. I thought that I needed people, probably a man for the most part in order to like go and do certain things. Um, but for a big part of it was like, you just, Stephanie, you're not capable of doing these things on your own. And now there's literally, I don't feel anything like I couldn't do by myself if I had to, but the real answer to that is that I don't want to do it alone. And I 
that's always hard, right? I'm trying to sit in the space of, hey, I'm independent. I can do it. I'm confident, but like, I don't want to. Like, I want to choose a life where somebody else is helping to carry the weight. I think that that's a really beautiful thing. Um, and I came to this realization that all of these beautiful things that I was seeing um, were just going to become third person anecdotes to other people. And while I needed them, again, like I needed that year of my life, um, I think that the real beauty comes in sharing it with somebody when at the end of the day, you can look at that person and say, hey, remember when we did that? And you don't really need any other words because you both saw the same sunset on the same night of the same day of the same year. And while your two separate eyes were looking at that thing and you saw two different things from your two different viewpoints, you were looking at the same thing. And there's just so, so, so much beauty to that for me. Wow. Yay. I'm glad that you were able to share that with us because it basically through your healing and letting go of all of the titles. So like from divorced mm-hmm. to um, having an attachment to being the girl in the Airstream blogging and then letting go of what skinny meant. And so there's so much letting go to where you found like, I'm not willing to let this go. Though. Yeah. Like I want to share this with somebody. So of all these titles, I'm willing to let go of me being with someone is not. And I think that is, there's so much beauty in that. I'm so glad that you shared that with us. Yeah. And I think it's really important too, that it's okay that you change your mind and it's okay. I mean, you're always going to be evolving as a human being. So when you put yourself into a box of like, well, this is what I have to have to make me happy. It's really funny how life will be like, Bitch, please. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> let let me give you some life lessons real Seriously. quick. Seriously, and we'll it. So, I mean, it's okay that even if in three months you're like, eh, yeah, maybe not. You know, like it's okay. Like just give yourself room and permission to continue to expand and grow when you see fit. Yeah, totally. I, you guys just you guys just wrote my book for me. This is so great. Oh, yay. Hey, just give us a thank you yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you being on today. So we always love to end or wrap everything up with a few yeah. questions. So I have one. Ooh, yes. Do you, th- okay, hold on. Uh, I have a couple flowing through my head. Oh, are you planning on dressing up for Halloween? Oh this gosh. Year? Halloween I feel like it's cool if you're like a couple and you do something like really witty, but I am not a Halloween person by any means. Um, and no, I will probably not be dressing up. Do you have a favorite Halloween movie? Oh gosh. Um, my best friend, one of my, my like best friend in elementary school, we used to watch the scream trilogy like religiously. Um, so I'm a huge fan of scream. Um, I've always loved scary movies, actually. She and I would watch them all the time. Like The Shining, the Shining is also fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's a good really one. good classic. And interestingly enough, I don't know if you guys know this, but the hotel in The Shining is in Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, yeah, which is just outside that. of Denver. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Fancy. I didn't, I didn't know you were such a scary movie uh, buff. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. this is kind of like baby Stephanie. I haven't really, I was just actually thinking the other day, I haven't watched a movie in so long just because I like, I mean, in my Airstream, I had a TV, but I don't know. I just haven't like sat down and watched a movie, which kind of made me sad because I really like them. And I really like going to the movie theater too. So 
I you know, too. it's funny enough, like when you were saying like your dream of like, oh, I want to have both want to live in, you know, downtown Denver. And then like in my airstream immediately, I was like, oh, she could be a Hallmark movie. Like, oh my <laughs> God, you like- really, you guys, one of my um, very favorite clients, who's also a mentor of mine, uh, he says that to me all the time. He's like, he actually says his writing is more Hallmark and mine is like HBO. He's like, you get a little steamy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> you can do the Walmart. Oh my gosh. Oh, All right. Well, okay. how can our listeners find Okay. You? Um my business is Slay Creative. Um you can find that at uh Instagram by.slay um or by slay.com. Um and then if you want to read my blog, uh that's by stephanielee.com. And my Instagram handle, which I do a lot of writing on also is uh, at by dot Stephanie Lee. And then again, my middle name is spelled L-E-I-G-H. So is mine, girl. Yes, I didn't know that. I love it. (laughs) Do people call you Lay all the time? Or they say Lay? No, but that's... Yeah, people say that to me all the time. I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> but I love, it. I love, it. and my uh, my daughter is also L E I G H. So Lee, it's yeah. so cute. Like, well, we're just carrying this Lee yeah. on. We're cute. Lay, yeah. it's Lee. Let's yeah, keep it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, thanks for joining yeah. us today, and we appreciate all your truth and all your, I mean, all your nuggets. Yeah, I, yeah. You guys um, said I should start like a bumper car sticker uh, business. So everybody stay tuned for my bumper stickers okay. or bumper car stickers. That doesn't <laughs> do bumper, bumper cars don't have stickers, <laughs> bumper sticker car. I don't even know, whatever. Maybe I'll call it that bumper car bumper stickers. That's my business name. <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. Well, Stephanie, you're a badass. We love you and we wish you Same. all the best. I cannot thank you guys enough for letting me on here. Uh, it's been amazing talking to you. So thank you. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Help keep the CZL momentum going by rating our podcast and writing a review. If you love what you heard in today's episode, snap a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us.